Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. I'm Dee, the managing editor at AniFem. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And I'm joined today by uh, fellow AniFem staffers, Caitlin and Vry. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Um, I am a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as running my own blog. I have a heroin problem, heroin with an E, and I am the anime expert at The Daily Dot. And you can find my Twitter at altsoon underscore no dare. <laughs> hey, I'm Vry Kaiser. I am one of the editors for Anime Feminist. Uh, you can find me on the internet all over the place. Uh, if you go to my Twitter at writer Vry, you can find uh, a link, uh, a list of all the things I do as my pinned tweet. And you can also find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And today we are talking about Agretzko, the uh, short animated series that recently was released on Netflix in many, many countries. Um, so to kind of kick us off here, um, I figured I'd kind of just briefly talk about the production. Agretzko is a Sanrio character. Um, Aggressive Retzko is the full name, a uh, red panda who sings death metal. Uh, she first appeared in a series of one-minute shorts that ran from April 2016 to March 2018. I do not believe those are available, like, readily streaming anywhere, um, at least in the U.S. Uh, so I, and I'm not sure how different they are from the, from the show we got on Netflix. Um, the Netflix original net animation, or ONA, um, was released on, in this year, 2018, on 4.20 because it's a very millennial show. So, of course, um, uh, both series were done by the studio Fanworks and uh, written and directed by Radeko. I couldn't find much on him in English, and my Japanese is rusty at best, but uh, from what I can tell, he got his start is as a Flash animator, uh, has worked on some, some different shorts. Um, none of the titles rang a bell to me, um, but you can find his uh, discography on, like, not discography, what's the word? When it's a uh, person in, like, film. Filmography, filmography. probably. Yeah, there yes, we go. Uh, you can find that on, uh, I think, Anime ne News Network has one in English. Um, and in Agretzko, uh, he's also credited with uh, animation for five of the episodes and performing the uh, metal vocals in the Japanese version, uh, which in the Japanese version, there's no lyrics that are actually sung. Um, it's, like, just raging screaming. Uh, but apparently the writer and director also did that. So multi-talented. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. Again, um, again, a Sanrio character, so kind of a kind of a toy commercial show. But Sanrio has kind of been killing it lately with their toy commercial right? shows. It's kind uh, of alarming. Yeah, Agresco comes on the heels of Sanrio Boys, which we've talked about in our uh, we talked about in our winter uh, season, mid season, and season retrospective podcasts. Was a really nice show about like. Um, boys being into traditionally feminine things and how that's okay. And it's a very sweet and accepting series. And now we've got uh, a Gretzko, which is, you know, very directly dealing with um, a lot of kind of feminist relevant topics, which is why we wanted to uh, spend some time talking about it today. Yeah. I fully support Sanrio's new, uh, new goal to sell me shit by being as inclusive as possible. I'm here for it. <laughs> Me too, right? Like, yeah. mission accomplished, Sanrio. I kind of want a Retzko pillow. Now Same I love job. capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so just to kind of um, get us started, I figured I'd uh, check in with you guys and see uh, sort of your general feelings about the show uh, after having watched it all the way through. It's good. It's great. <laughs> it's uh. it, Yes, it's good. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where I am too. Sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, but it's just... I, I kind of in, like 
enjoy that we're having a retrospective because, you know, where the site is right now, we don't have the funds or the setup to do reviews of shorts and people are always asking about us about it. So it's nice that we can, that when the Netflix format is really good for shorts, as it turns out. Yeah, and uh, Gretzko is a nice, a nice 15 minute length. So there's still a lot. I mean, I think I, you can watch the entire show in like three hours, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but there's a lot in there. So um, mm-hmm. it seemed like it would be a really good one to do for a podcast. Yeah. Um, I've never really been a Sanrio person in general, but like, I feel like a Gretzuko is sort of uh, aimed at like, sort of a way of like bringing back in people who grew up with Sanrio and might be a little bit like, well, I've, you know, I've kind of outgrown it. You know, I used to be all about Pochaco and Kuropi, but it's time, you know, time to move on. Then they're like, wait, hold on. We've got this. How about a character that just that gets you? She's just well, so tired. Well, and they've also got that. I forget. They, don't they have like a depressed egg character that a lot of people really Gudetama? like too? Who? I'm sorry. Gudetama. Yes, Gudetama. Is that Sanrio? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Because uh, I I was reading up on they were talking about how Sanrio's kind of been coming out with products. Gudetama. Sorry. Has been, yeah. Uh, is the the sad egg that is also Sanrio's character. Oh, he's kind of a lazy egg, isn't he? Yeah, I thought that was... Not that he was sad, just that he's lazy. He's just... He's a very lazy egg who just wants to laser around all day. Which is also relatable to many people. Right? Yeah. Uh, No, they've they've definitely been... um, Whoever's in charge of, like, their marketing and their uh, TV division or whatever, um, it does seem like they're uh, reaching out more to a a slightly older audience who maybe liked them uh, when they were younger and then sort of fell off from it. They're doing a good job. Whoever, again, whoever's in charge is, I think, um, nailing a lot of the kind of feelings of the generation at large. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you know who was the head writer for this? Because it, it's good work. Radiko, uh the same person who directed ah. it and did half the animation, hmm. is credited with with the scripts as well. I am surprised and impressed. I, I yeah. <laughs> Were you going to say more? No, no, just, I. it's always, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, a, a male writer can get these kinds of issues right. There's nothing to say that they can't, but I always lean to the assumption that when it gets on point like this, uh, I assume it's a female writer, like, having a Mario Kata moment. Yeah. Well, and Radiko kind of is a sort of a, it, it has kind of a feminine sound to it, like the ko ending on is usually used for, um like feminine names so i had assumed that as well and then i was when i was looking up information um nope it's a guy so yeah he did a good job kudos uh but caitlin i think what you were talking about kind of i was going to talk about this later but this is as good a time as any Mm. um kind of leaning into that uh sort of kawaii counterculture movement that i think you see these period and you see that periodically and this is this is a subject that i've been kind of studying up on but i'm not an expert yet so um Obviously, uh, folks who are listening, if you know more about this, feel free to comment and let me know if I mess something up as we talk. Um, but I know that, you know, uh, the Kauai movement initially was kind of a rebellion against social norms. And then it's like, it seems like there are waves of it where it kind of gets sort of commodified and becomes sort of mainstream and then stops and then kind of, you know, then sl- uh, slides back into being more conservative. And then there will be another push to sort of counterculture that um in the kawaii uh sort of aesthetic and then and then that'll and so there's there's these little waves and it kind of feels like we're maybe we're maybe hitting another one which i i recognize the sort of 
almost double think it requires to talk about that with a product that is made by Sanrio, a giant company that sells lots and lots of toys. Yeah, Sanrio is uh, kind of the uh, the epitome of commodifying mainstreaming kawaii culture. They mm-hmm. they absolutely are. You are correct, but at the same time, they've hired people to write their shows for them who I think are hitting on the who are hitting on the um sort of pushback against uh social norms, I guess, mm. currently going on. Like I think a lot of Agretzko is is very much critiquing um, you know, different aspects of modern society. Yeah, I, I've also done a little bit of reading up on Kauai culture and it from my understanding it's that the the original roots of it were kind of a pushback against this pressure for young women to immediately go into marriage and parenting and Kauai was a way to say we would like to be right. young people for a little longer. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to have that come to now which is to Agretzko's uh, uh kind of dealing with office politics and that kind of thing. Well, and there was a push in the early aughts to kind of, um, uh, again, among among young women to sort of merge kawaii with, um, like, harsher elements. Like, you, so you get some of the Lolita styles and then, like, um, like metal, like the, some of the baby metal type stuff, too, mm-hmm. uh, comes out of uh, that as well. Kari Kari Pamyo, who's, like, horror kawaii. Yeah, horror kawaii is a good, a good example of that as well. Right. Um, so again, you get these you get these periodic pushes to to kind of push back against like whatever the mainstream idea of like what young women are supposed to be through kawaii culture, which I which I think is really interesting to watch that that pushback over the last like thirty to forty odd years. Yeah, um, Th- this isn't quite a- as far on the on as far on the cutting edge as a uh, yami kawaii, but uh, again. It's Sanrio, the major corporation. They're not going to deal with the, hey, Japan has serious mental health issues. Maybe we should talk about that branch of modern kawaii culture. Yeah, I mean, I would say Agretzko is still, um, it, it hits it hits just hard enough that you kind of go oof sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's um, it's still at its core a comedy that is intended to, to be um, sort of optimistic and make people go, okay, you know what, things, this does kind of suck, but I, maybe I can get through it. Just like Retzko does. Yeah, right. uh, so, hashtag and you know, relatable. I mean, I think there's definitely some value in that too. Yeah. Hashtag relatable for real. I did, I did note some people on Twitter who were having a hard time, like watch the first three or four episodes and were like, this is too brutal. I can't. The first few episodes hit me also very hard because I'm also kind of working a, a day job at a soulless corporation. Um, I thankfully do not have an asshole boss, but um, watching Retzko kind of deal with that. And then the arc with her and her sort of free spirit friend Puko. Um, and she decides, no, I just, I just can't, I have to pay my bills. I can't, you know, just jump into this project with you. Uh, I felt that, I felt that deep, deep in my soul. Sorry. What were you saying? Caitlin? I think Puko is sort of who everyone wants to be. I wish I could be Puko. Like, um, but not a lot of people can sort of maintain that way of living. I am I, I am surprised that the show, well, as soon as that arc came up, I, I, I immediately thought, okay, she's going to flake on her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's not quite that brutal. It's just like, no, no, we're still going to totally do this thing. It's just that it will be extremely unreliable and uncertain for several years. Uh, good Which luck. Which is true of... 
I mean, and that's that's how startups typically work. You know, I mean, you do kind of have to take that leap. And honestly, watching the conversation between Puka and Retzko kind of reminded me of when Amelia and I have conversations about Anifem. Because <laughs> Amelia's like, yeah, let's do it. We got this. And I'm like, oh, God, I have a day job and I need to, you know, pay my bills. And how are we going to make this work? Because I really want to. Um, so, so when Retzko like kind of pulls back and I will, I will give this show a lot of credit for, I think it does a really good job of not really 95% of the characters are humanized and not like they have, they have different ways of dealing with their lives and like modern society and office culture and all that. And the show does a nice job of kind of saying that there's lots of different ways you can get through those things. Cause I think with like Puko, like you guys, I thought she was going to flake on her or, you know, end up being kind of awful. And she's not, she's, she's got her own way of doing things and it just clashes with Retzko's and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right there. It's, it's interesting. Cause like, they're not like shallow archetypes, but they're all still recognizable types. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of us know a Tsunoda. A lot of us know a uh, a Puko. A lot of us know a Fenico. Um, uh, what was the the hippo's name? Kabai. I think everyone knows a Kabai. <laughs> um, God, yes. <laughs> But like, I think a same... lot of us have worked for a tone uh-huh. to some extent, yeah. you know, um, or a Tsubone, one of the two, if yeah. not both. No, definitely, I've definitely worked for a Tsubone. Um, but at the same time, like, they're they're recognizable types, but they're not like totally just like stereotypes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that even the characters who, like you said, like the, they're the recognizable types, but I think a lot of them they spin them to be more positive than they're than a lot than they're often displayed. Um, like I really enjoyed because I, I mean, even by the end of the series, I did not care for Tsunoda. She's just not my kind of person, uh, not my kind of dear. But uh, you're she, right. But by the end, but you know, she has that conversation with uh, Retsuko where she's like, "Yeah, I know. I kiss up. It makes him easier to deal with. So that's why I do it." And I like that the show doesn't really, and even Washimi's like, yeah, that's smart of her. Like, I get why she does that, and that's okay. And so I like that the show kind of, um, it doesn't go the route you think it's going to go with with characters, with a character like Tsunoda or Puka, where you think they're going to end up being, like, the quote-unquote bad woman because they're, you know, doing things that aren't what the the expected good girl mm-hmm. is supposed to do. And it's like, no, they're fine. This is this is another way of coping with, you know, what's what's going on and trying to live your life as best you can. I, I feel like the the only kind of, rough patch in the show for me was that moment where it, it kind of wants to tell us you know a contained narrative arc in a sense but also it, it has to deal with the fact that it's like well this goes on and you kind of deal with it where where it kind of tries to backpedal on tone a little bit at the end yeah like i mean i kind of get it like he's awful he's still a person like I get, I like, I kind of get what they were going for. And yeah, I think a lot of it came from them trying to sort of wrap things up neatly. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where like narratively, like from in a narrative structural capacity, I understand why it goes down that way. But it's just in the climate we're in right now, where there are a lot of puff pieces about how you mm-hmm. need to know both sides of awful people. Like I didn't right. have time for it. Right. Like Yeah. Go ahead, Caitlin. A, a lot of horrible people have can have nice moments and you can sort of justify it as like it's interfering with her work uh so you know he's an 
older, more experienced person, he can sort of, you can look at it through a selfish lens where it's like, he's going to tell her this thing and it's going to like sort of break her out of it. But also like, it's going to get her to a point where she can actually be productive again. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Tone a little bit, because I think there's a lot we can go into with him. Um, He, you know, he's kind of depicted as being this sort of relic of the, of the old generation. And so is the, the elephant boss who, I don't know if the, if the CEO ever gets an actual name. Um, The one Washimi basically, like, she basically runs the company, but we do have that, that dude behind the desk. And, um... Both of them are kind of, you know, they have these these very sort of um, regressive, sexist ideas about how to work. And he kind of tells Retzko at one point, like, that's how I was, that's that's how they did it for me. So I just figured that was how you were supposed to do it. And I think the show does a good job. Of, I think it's important to know that even, even assholes, like, came from somewhere. They didn't spring fully formed from the ground as assholes. You know what I mean? Um, so I like that, I like that Agretzko says, you know, well, this is, this is sort of the culture that, that spawned this. And in some ways, like, like it sucks. It kind of sucks for Tone too, that this, that this is sort of, uh, how, how he came about to be, to be the, the jerk that he is. Um, the one thing, and I was worried they were going to fully redeem him. I was like, no, he's still a sexist asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that he gets kind of that one moment of, well, he has been doing this for a while longer and you can still learn things at your job from people who are the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the final episode, like he's still yelling at her about, he's still nitpicking her about like stapling things and she yeah. rages again at the tail end. I was like, okay, so the show didn't really like make him okay. It just kind of gave him... Gave him a beat where you go, well, he's not like a, I think, I just think like even assholes are more interesting when they're not just one dimensional monsters, because I don't think real people are one dimensional monsters. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Maybe I just wanted them to hit that last note a little bit harder. So, yeah. So that it doesn't run into like, well, yeah, he's still an asshole, but now, you know, underneath there's this other thing, which I don't think it's, I, I think it is trying to hit that balance, but I just wanted them to come out that other side, maybe for a little bit longer. I don't know. But I don't mm-hmm. think it breaks the show at, in any way. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that, like, at least because I kind of like the idea of maybe, like, well, Tone's always going to be kind of a nitpicky asshole. But if he um, backed off on, like, if he realized, you know, because he makes some really sexist comments early on. And mm-hmm. I do think those kind of disappear in the last couple episodes. And so I don't know if they were trying to make a point about, like, well, he is trying to get better and not be as much of a not, as much of a jerk. Um at least in terms of like actual discrimination. Um, but I, that was one thing I wish they had hit more is like, if you're going to humanize him also like let him give him the opportunity to learn, I guess, from getting kind of called out about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it, I don't think it necessarily hit that. So um, that was, that was kind of a, yeah, kind of a, an eye twitch for me as well, I guess. Yeah. Especially when it's, those are the, I think the moment it's because the moments with tone are some of the realest and most brutal parts of the show. Yeah, no, they are. But kudos to Sanrio for kudos to the the writer team for making him a, a literal chauvinist pig. That was yeah, a, that was they a have nice fun touch. With, they have fun with the animals in this. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal favorite is that Washimi is a secretary bird. Yes, and stomps. <laughs> and when the when the CEO has dumb ideas, she just. Literally just kicks them apart. Oh, it's amazing. So... Washimi is very good. Washimi is the best. I love both of the. Um, well, let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, yeah, we've kind of been talking about gender dynamics a little bit with the with the shitty bosses. Um, but let's kind of talk that in terms of and with the women. Let's kind of talk about that in terms of the relationships and uh, 
Retsuko's uh, friendship that develops with Washimi and Gori. It warms my heart and waters mm-hmm. my crops. <laughs> you know, I think it's it's um, really interesting because they sort of follow up on Puka, where Puka like is sort of seems to be offering this escape, and then the ideal uh, is not very much matching the reality, and so Retsuko feels just so hopeless. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, Washimi and Gori come along and they're able to offer her like this actionable useful advice and give her like realistic perspectives on things um, because they have navigated the situa- these situations successfully um, they are sometimes their pragmatism is kind of a bummer where it's like, yeah. like, yeah, you can, like, you can report this, but like, he's just gonna, and it might make things better for a little bit, but in the end, like, he's really just gonna get shitty again, which is what happens. Yeah, I mean, they knew, but I do, I do still like that. Like, even though they're they're kind of aware of the situation, they do try to help however they mm-hmm. can. Like, Washimi yeah. really pushes through the, like, she, I mean, she basically reports him for power harassment right. and uh, gender discrimination. I think she says so. Um, and the boss is going to brush it under the rug. He's like, well, you don't have any proof, so it's fine, right? Which is so... Yeah, I think I cheered a little bit at that part, because I was like, oh, you asshole. And then she kicks his desk, I'm like, yes! Oh, it's amazing. I wish we could do that at our jobs. Just kick the boss's desk in half sometimes. Not not the anti-fem job. I don't want to kick Amelia's metaphorical desk in half. I like Amelia. But I I think Um, we have all worked shitty office jobs. Yeah. Um, not really. Shitty retail jobs? No. Some kind of job where you ever wanted to kick your boss's desk in half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, but, but yeah, I, I love the, uh, the supportive relationships. And like you said, kind of the pragmatism that they're able to offer her. I also love that, like, there's a lot going on in the show in terms of, I think they do a nice job of touching on a lot of Retzko's relationships mm-hmm. throughout. Um, I mean, there's, there's a couple of kind of, uh, romantic subplots, uh, going on as well, which we'll kind of get into as we, uh, mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that the female friendships really are the mm-hmm. core of the story. Like, yeah. like even at the very end when, when she, when she breaks up with Rasasuke, and again, we'll talk about that more later. Um, Washimi and Gori are like walking to the karaoke room and it's like, welcome back. And so the ending <laughs> is the three of them kind of being reunited. Uh, and I, I love that the show manages to, you know, have conversations about, relationships and marriage and romance and things like that um while not making that like the actual happy ending of or like the whole you know point of the series i think it does a really nice job of showing Mm -hmm. yeah the supportive communal bonds mm -hmm. that you can kind of build through your job yeah it definitely like because i think the emphasis is it recognizes the complexity of the situation and the reality of um the sort of the situation that like there's no easy answers and you do your best but that's not honestly probably not going to fix things and you try anyway um and you support each other anyway but the thing that is really helpful that really improves Retsuko's uh life and her situation is is the allyship and mm-hmm. the uh uh way she and uh, what is the word I am looking for? The support 
that they understand what she's going through and they can offer her advice but they also they just they get it they've been there they've navigated it and they know Mm -hmm. it sucks and they know it's hard and it still sucks and it's hard for them at times Mm -hmm. um it's a really just a very net like it's not optimistic but it feels real um in a really satisfying way yeah, I mean, I I tend toward shows like Utana, like, yeah, fuck the system shows, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. important to have ones like this, where it's like, okay, but sometimes at the end of the day, you have to live in the system, and this is how you're going to survive it. Which is a nice thing to have in, in a way that's, that, like you said, is so supportive of those female relationships, which is one of the concrete things that we can work towards changing in media. Because even, even with, like, Tsunoda, who is, like you said earlier, D, like, the typical suck-up type of, of hyper-femme girl who would normally be the enemy in, like, a not-like-other-girls kind of story, it's just, she's mm-hmm. getting by. And she, she, she'll go out for drinks with you, and it, she'll probably level with you. Don't trust her, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's doing yeah, her she's... thing. <laughs> she even invited them along. Mm-hmm. She's... To her to her social mixer, mm-hmm. so you know. I mean, she's mm-hmm. doing her best. She's she's not out here to live by ideals. She is out here to. She's not out here to try to break down the system. She's out here to survive. I will say one thing that bummed me off, bummed me out to to kind of get into another thing. I know we wanted to at least touch on is when uh, when Gory comes over and stays at Retzko's house and the dub changes a line about where the subtitles are about Retzko being annoyed that she's being imposed on without being asked and the dub is a line about how Gory is going to stretch her clothes out and I'm like oh did we have to and like for the most part I like the dub but but some of the choices it makes are some choices yeah generally speaking I really enjoy the dub but (laughs) what that big uh, big shoes to fill line is a masterstroke in the dub <laughs> I don't I don't remember when was this it's like in the first episode where uh Ritsuko accidentally wears Crocs uh-huh. and she runs into Tsunoda in the lobby she's like don't oh, notice yeah. don't notice and Tsunoda's talking about how like she did this awesome job and she really looks up to Ritsuko for blah 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 for planning this thing mm-hmm. and like her eyes like look down and then she looks back up and finishes what she was saying and the Japanese, you know, it was just some line about how awesome Retsuko is. But in the English, she goes, I really have some big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, I think the dub, the, I mean, I think the dub is, is funnier in some ways. I think they, they tried to make it a little bit snappier as far as some of the, the dialogue comedy goes. Um, but that also means that they made some mistakes along the way that mm-hmm. made things meaner than they needed to be mm-hmm. and uh the one point that we should bring up even though i don't think the three of us are particularly qualified to like discuss it but we should at least touch on yeah the fact that um gory who is a gorilla um is voiced by a um a mixed race woman um and is played with a with a voice that is very much kind of like your stereotypical like sassy black woman um and i uh, like on the one hand like i'm totally okay if you want to like uh 
you know, black code some of the characters because I think that can be helpful in stories. But gorillas have nope. a very racist uh, background in American history, going back very far. So maybe not the gorilla. And maybe not. Maybe not the gorilla. Maybe not the gorilla, and maybe not just that one character who is the one with the yeah. really loaded history. Yeah. Also that. I, I, uh, so I do want to. I do want to point people to. Um, I read an article. Nicole Adelman wrote a piece for Hello Giggles um, that goes into detail about Gory and kind of shares some some different tweets from um, other persons of color on uh, online who were kind of reacting to the character and kind of criticizing uh, the decisions made there. So I would kind of direct people to that. I will put it on uh, the post for the for the show on for this podcast on Anifem, so you can find the link there as well. I will also say on the subject of, of voice choices, uh, Todd Habercorn certainly brought a mincing air to Komiya in a way mm. that I don't think they needed. I, I'll i defer to you on that one. I, I listened to the dub before I listened to the sub, and I, I thought I thought the sub did about the same thing that Habercorn did it, it's, in the, I mean, in the it, dub. It, so I didn't, I didn't catch much of a difference there to me. He read as sort of high, just really high strung. Mm-hmm. But um, again, you're you're more attuned to this to that than I am. So um, yeah, I'll I'll defer to you on that one for sure. It's one of those things where it's like that character type is very um, th- that sort of shitty uh, second in command archetype is very tied into this coding where they're an op like an antagonist to the the heroes and part of the antagonism is oh they kind of suck because they don't just suck up to the boss they probably also want to fuck him and it yeah it's it, like it's i don't think it's a conscious choice anybody made it, it's just like really tied into the coding of that kind of archetype and the type of voice that you go to for that comedic archetype I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. So yeah. So they they kind of played into that into that stereotype. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not even um, knowingly. Almost certainly definitely. not knowingly. I think. Just one of those things that annoys nobody but me. But I wanted to say it in podcast form. No, no, no. I think that's I think that's totally fair. I think that's you know maybe something that um you know pe- I think that I, not maybe I think that is something people should be aware of when you know uh, doing voice casting and voice work to be aware of those stereotypes and then you know try to avoid them. Uh, especially when they're not intended, and I don't think there's anything in Komiya's character that that suggests that he's intended to be uh, read read as as like in love with Tone. I think he's just another kind of suck up yes man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but other like I I also want to give a shout out to the really good voice work in some of, that that the dub has. Uh, I am in love with Dub Fenico's voice. It's very good. Yeah, she's, she's excellent. really good. Yeah, she sounds like Daria, and I'm about it. Which is perfect because I mean Fenico basically is Daria. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, but also like, kind of a hypocrite. I love Fenico because she's you know she's kind of does this whole like disaffected cynical thing, but at the same time she's also constantly on social media despite giving uh, Tsunoda crap for it. She knows everything that she's doing at all times. Like she's mm-hmm. kind of obsessed with Tsunoda. Here's the um, thing: I want them to date because it would be a train wreck. Oh my god. <laughs> There's season two. There's season two for you All right, right there. Let's see. Let's see if Archive of Our Own has anything <laughs> on this. Uh, I also I also love Fenico's relationship with Haida. I love that she's just like she's just like the best bro mm-hmm. out there uh, for for Haida. Who also I think the the English voice actor for Haida does an excellent job with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to talk about Haida? I wound up unexpectedly impressed with his writing. Honestly. I think Haida's another one of those characters who is a familiar type that sort of subverts a lot of the sort of expected negative attachments uh, that go along with that type. So yeah, go for it, Vi. Talk about this. Because, you know, when 
pretty much I had him pinned as the nice guy archetype from the second he walks on screen and is kind of awkward in Retsuko's presence because that's just how those kind of stories go. But it, it wound up going in a really positive direction where like, yeah, he's annoyed that he didn't get around to asking her out, but he recognizes that that is his fault and it has nothing to do with her. And he's mad at himself rather than blaming her for not noticing that, that he liked her. And then at the end, a big part of the speech when they decide to try going out is him saying, I don't actually know you. I know the version right. of you that I've built up in my head. And that is such yeah. a good line. I'm so yeah. about it. I thought that was excellent. Yeah, no, that was really, really good to see. That was very that, satisfying. That made me happy because I like, I really liked Haida. I was like, oh, you're such a, I was like, you're a good boy, Haida. You're, you're, <laughs> you're nerdy and, and trying your best and apparently are really into punk rock in your spare time. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, I love the little glimpses you get into the characters' lives, like outside of the office. Because even though we're pretty much just following Retzko, you still get a sense that everybody else also has other stuff they're doing in their spare time to kind of like helps them get through their shitty day job, uh, which I think is is really nice. Um, but yeah, so Hyde is one of those too. And so then at the end, I was like you, I was worried. I was like, oh no no no, don't be don't don't give the I can be so much better for you than this other guy speech. And so mm -hmm. when they swerved. I was just so happy. I was like, you are a good boy, Haida. I knew it. <laughs> Yay. By the way, there is one. Uh, there are only seven Agretsuko fanfics on AO3. And one of them is um, Fenico and uh, Tsunoda. The internet has Heck my yeah. back. It's not just you, Rai. <laughs> the internet has your back. Uh, good trash person out there. I see you. Uh, okay. We had lots of other talking. Yes, things. the uh, well, we should probably also talk about Rasasuke, uh, the blank of wood. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Let's. Well, plant who? <laughs> uh, um, the he, potato. Yeah. <laughs> the, okay. So here's the thing about Rasasuke. Second time through, uh, I did watch this twice, listeners. Um, I watched it right, right when it came out, and then a little bit before we we recorded this podcast. And I wanted to watch it both subbed and dubbed. Um, the second time through, I felt a lot of sympathy for Rasasuke, which I didn't really expect to happen. So uh, we can we can get into that as well. Um, to kind of dovetail into that, though, I um, we haven't really talked about like Retzko's whole like I'm gonna get married to escape my terrible job arc. Mm. Um, so any kind of general thoughts on on how they played that the sort of millennials in love arc, as I called it in the show notes. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of looking back at this sort of old ideal, it seems like a desperation move. Like, okay, this modern, the sort of modern expectation isn't working out for me. I'll just go back to the older ways and I'll just get married and work and support a husband. And because working sucks without thinking about really what would be hard about being a stay at home wife, you know? Mm. Yeah, I like that Washimi points that out too. She's like, "That's because when she tells her that, she kind of like pinches the bridge of her of her bird nose, um, <laughs> such as she has." And it's like, "Retzko, what are you talking about?" And she even says, "Like, it'd be one thing if there was somebody you liked and you wanted this, and like this is what you wanted for yourself." And she's like, "But I feel like you're discounting um, how hard it can be to be a housewife, and how marriage isn't exactly you know easy either." Um, so I like that the series didn't didn't depict that as like an easy out. It was more just Retzko desperately trying to find some way to not have to work this terrible job anymore. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that's the aspect of the show that is maybe the most steeped in very specifically Japanese culture and, mm -hmm. and the dynamics and expectations and how much is changing with women in the workforce and like child caring in the workforce over there right now. 
Mm-hmm. But it's not like a completely unknown thing over there. Like that is the that is the desire that the billionaire romance subgenre runs on. Oh boy, I can I can quit my job and be a kept woman and do nothing. Yay. Yay. I oh, mean, hey, I'm not I'm not going to lie to y'all. I've had I've had days at work that were so bad that I went home and like, I mean, not not seriously, but I said to a friend like, "Man, I just need to find a rich person to marry so I don't have to do this anymore." So Yeah, it's an appealing I, fantasy. Yeah, so like I get where Resco's coming from having had those bad days. Um, not something I've ever pursued quite as much as, as she kind of does here. Uh, the one thing I do, like, cause she then, it kind of slides into that. We see this in, um, anime pretty regularly too. This idea of like, well, I need to get in shape so I can get a man mm, arc. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. by the way, a funny thing about that is, um, when people leave toddler, leave teaching, a lot of them mm-hmm. look at office work as an escape. Like, I have had coworkers who are just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to get an office job where I sit at a computer all day because the chaos and the just physical, emotional, social labor of teaching is so much. Mm-hmm. And also, um, office I can workers, see that. Also, office workers get paid more than we do. So typically, yeah. Yeah, generally. Job, but yeah, typically. Um, no, I, I, I see that. I think that, yeah, that is, that is kind of interesting though, because it's sort of, you know, one person's, one person's hellish job is, is another person's like, oh no, that seems, that seems nice and simple and, mm-hmm. and much easy, much, yeah. much better than what I'm doing right now. I mean, so. personally, I hate office work, but like I've, I've, the, the few times I have my few ventures into office work, um, I have found myself teetering on the edge of depression. So um, but yeah, no, that is sort of a very common thing with people who go into teaching is they burn out and they find something quieter and simpler in office work. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So, but Retzko's, uh, Retzko's burning out of office work and trying to find something, something that she feels will be quieter and simpler than that. Um, right. You made some, you made some groaning noises when I mentioned the fitness arc. I hate <laughs> that plot point. I, like yeah. not not I mean I don't I'm not wild about it in this show but just in general whenever it's the lose weight to catch a man thing my soul dies mm-hmm. and my skeleton leaves my body. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hate that too. Um, as someone who tries to, I kind of I try to go to the gym and try to stay in shape, but like because I want to be in shape, like that's why I do it. So whenever I see an arc where it's like I want to get fit, I'm like that's cool, and it's like for a man, I'm like no, stop. Um, Isn't it enough to want to? I want to be in shape because. I don't want to like die in 50. Well, yeah. I mean, that's certainly part of it. I just honestly, God, we're sorry. This is such a tangent, but I just, I tend to just feel better when I, when I have like a little bit of exercise in my regime. So that's part of it for I me. Mean, I think that's just normal. Yeah. But um, what I was going to say about this arc, what I, what I do like about the show is I think it does a pretty good job of showing that Retzko's, uh, Retzko's goals here are not good ones or ones she should emulate because when she talks to both Washimi and Gori they're like no we're here because you know it it makes us feel we feel good you know going and getting this exercise and um I like that her you know her goal was like to go to yoga and get a man and she goes to yoga and she makes really good female friendships (laughs) so I like the the kind of twist there where it's actually more about you know finding a supportive community which is a, a big part I think for a lot of people of um you know whether they join a a team or, or go to a, a class once a week or whatever it is, as part of it is that, that supportive community that can kind of, kind of help you 
help you through your day. Yeah, and, and that's a fair thing that like sometimes doing something for the wrong reasons still le- leads to good results. Mm-hmm. And also it gives us the yoga instructor who is uh yoga. <laughs> so I have I'm of two minds here. One, it's appropriationy. It yeah, uh, it for is, sure. That's fair. But it's also so freaking goofy mm-hmm. that I can't even be super mad about it. So, uh, yeah, I had the moment when he's like, I think he sends Gory the number for the for the uh, death metal music, like, via the mysteries of the cosmos. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of wincing. But at the same time, this is clearly not serious. So I, I feel like you're maybe mocking people who think that this is what yoga is. I wasn't really clear on what they were doing there. Mm-hmm. So... But he shouts protein a lot, and it's amusing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a helper. I mean, obviously, I am not the person to give the definitive explanation on, on that. Uh, it, it did strike me as very, like, maybe because I live someplace with a lot of uh, new age fuckwads, I was dying. Yeah. <laughs> I was dying. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I think it's I think it's poking fun more at the the new age instructors than it is at like you know actual yoga or like um, like Hindu or Indian practices. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it's going for. But there was a little part of me that went, mm, I'm not a hundred percent sure how cool this is. But again, not really not really my subject to discuss either. Yeah. So yeah, that is. I'll leave that to to others in the comments if we have any Indi- any uh, Indian or Indian American readers who want to or listeners who want to weigh in on that. Please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I figured it was worth bringing up for sure. Um, it's also kind of worth noting. Um, I meant to mention this earlier. When we were kind of talking about the gender dynamics. I like that the show def like the worst character in the show is absolutely the sexist male boss who has all the power. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it doesn't do that thing where you see where some shows where it's like they make everyone awful. So it's hard to get a feel for what they're telling people is, is not okay. Like, I like that there are some guys in the cast who are really likable. Like I like Haida. Mm-hmm. I like that the yoga instructor is helpful. Like he's, he kind of tries to help his students along the way. Um, I think that, I think that you can lose the, I think you can lose the message of it's the same way when you have a show where it's like every female character is kind of, a, is kind of a brat or something yeah. where it's, it makes it like, Oh, Oh, what you're telling me is like all women are bad or all men are bad or something like that. Um, so I think having that variety, it goes, well, no, no, it's not like that people are inherently bad or good. It's like these particular behavior sets that are a part of our society. Um, like the, the sexism and misogyny that comes out of tone um, or the power harassment. Um, so I, I thought the show did a nice job of, of having casts that were balanced enough. Um, there, I think there are definitely more awesome female characters, and I'm glad for that because I think that that makes this more a show about, you know, those, uh, those, those different relationships and kind of the way um, women in the workplace in Japan in the year 2018 are sort of navigating uh, through a space that is open up to them really fairly recently, all things considered. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, lo- a lot of, a lot of shows. Yeah, but, but I, no, but I, again, I, I like that the show did that because I've definitely watched some series where they're sort of trying to critique that, but then they don't give any positive examples. So you don't, and uh, you don't get a, a real good feel for like what specifically they're criticizing. If right. That makes sense. They're, they're able to make it so that they're criticizing the system, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, not criticizing like men as inherently terrible beings exactly and i thought i thought agretzko did did a nice job with that by having by having some some decent dudes in the mix um speaking of those dudes sorry we are we are moving back to risasuke um i told you we'd get there eventually i i do think i see what um where i would guess you're going is that like he's not he's not an actively malicious character it, the harm he does is because 
he is oblivious and hasn't kind of taken the amount of social care and obligation that other people around him are taking, which ends up hurting Retzko. Right. So, like, it's it's one of the, you know... He's yes. not malicious, he's just thoughtless. Yeah. Which is one of yeah, those things no. where, like, yeah, okay, I will definitely lend you more more to go on for that. But also, th- there comes a point where you're an adult. You're an adult about the same age, presumably, as as Retzko, who is so tired all the time. I mean, but she is, like, she is projecting what she wants onto him. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Yeah. Her the way she sees his features are are different from how they are. Like, right, that's such a good visual gag too. <laughs> Just made me giggle every time. Um, oh. I love, by the way, that they go to Disney World and that's the one episode that doesn't have a death metal song. It has a Disney song. Mm-hmm. Um, when she's like in like not real fluffy love. Um, I thought that was a I thought that was an amusing little dig there. Um, but no, my thing with Rasaske is he kind of gets. I think this arc touches a lot on. Um, kind of the expectations placed on um, young people, both men and women, mm-hmm. in terms of being in relationships and what you're supposed to do. Because Retzko thinks, oh, well, I have to be happy and in love, so I'm just going to kind of put up with everything, which is what she did at her office job, too, is that that sense of being a, of being an, an eco, a good girl, um, comes up in this arc as well. And the thing with Rosaske is he kind of just gets completely shoved into this at every stage. Right. His, um, his cat friend, Manumaru, that's his name, mm. Um, basically, like, cat. pushes him into dating her and tells him exactly what to say and do on the date. And you never really get the sense he's into it. You get the sense he's just doing it because that's what he's supposed to do. So he just kind of rolls with it. And the the touch, I think, the second time through that kind of kind of gave me an awe moment for Rasaske is Retzko breaks up with him and he goes home. And he has a house full of plants. And he says, I'm home to the plants. And I'm like, oh, you also have a thing that you love doing, and this is, like, what brings you joy. Mm. And yeah. you kind of just got shoved into this relationship that you didn't particularly want um, because that was sort of the expectations placed on you by your by your right. coworkers and sort of mm-hmm. society at large. Yeah. So that moment at the end, I was like, oh, Rasaske, what are you up to with all your plants, buddy? Yeah, I, I, never, I never really felt like he was a bad guy. I, mm-hmm. I felt like, like, like I said, a... Retsuko was kind of the one who was projecting what she wanted on uh, out of him, and she was like, you know, making excuses for him, just like because she wanted him to be a certain way, and she would the pressure of pretending she was happy in this relationship was so much that it was the only thing she could focus on, and that was why she was like getting to be crummy at her work, but like he was. We didn't get his, like, his perspective, like, but it seemed like he was just sort of like, okay, well, I guess she's just along for the ride, and he wasn't really, like, I don't think he was ready for a relationship. No. Um, Not a bit. He had zero interest in a relationship. Um, again, his, his, his cat buddy kind of shoved him into that. Yeah. His cat buddy, by the way, in the dove is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he steals his, like, he's in, like, two, he's in two episodes for, like, maybe five minutes, and he's just fantastic. When Rosaska keeps asking him, like, because he keeps saying, like, oh, you need a girlfriend, you need to do this, and he's like, why? Why? And he finally just goes, no more talking! It's very good. Uh, sorry, I wanted to give a little shout-out to him. <laughs> but, but again, I think that's, I think that is Rosaska. Um, he's the space cadet in the dub, and, uh, 
So I think he gets told, you know, you need a girlfriend, you need to do this. So he just does those things. And I think Retzko's coming at it from the same perspective, but she's, you know, really fighting to make it work because she personally believes that this is what I need to be happy now. Um, and it doesn't work out, mm. but she's okay in the end because again, she has those, those good, goofy male friendships yeah. and they will do at the office too. So yeah. And I do, I, I do ship her and Haida. Like by the end, I was like, Oh no, this is cute. I'm into it. So it's, it's cute. And, and, and actually, you know, the marriage in, in retrospect, the marriage arc winds up kind of being a point in, in Haida's favor where, you know, Retzko is initially feeling around for, all right, who are the dudes in my vicinity that I know? And, and asks you know would you want a, a wife who stays at home and he, he has to think about it and he's like oh i mean i guess i i just want us to keep working to, to both working and doing what we were doing which is, is kind of nice like I, yeah he also points out that he doesn't make very much money which is <laughs> relatable which is yeah which is kind of becoming uh, a thing is um i read an article about this recently there's still sort of this cultural pressure for for men in japan to be like the breadwinner mm-hmm. um Gosh, I, I hope maybe I can find the article and, and link it to this to this post. I'm not sure I can though. So like, I mean, take this I mean, with a little, is... little bit of a grain of salt. But there's a lot of pressure there, and but there's also um, wages for jobs. Um, it's a, there's a lot more kind of contract work, and so the salary's not as steady, and so a lot of a lot of men don't feel like they have the they don't feel like they have the money to be the breadwinner, but they're still expected to do that job. I mean, it's, and it's so, kind of the same here. Like, it's, there's definitely, like, I've read a lot of articles about women who feel guilty that they make more than their male partners. And, like, listen, I'm, I've never felt guilty about that a, a day in my life. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've wished that, like, he makes more because I know that I'm going to be in a low-paying job for my entire life, and I wish we had more money, but I, the fact that I make more is not what is making me uh, feel gra- bad, but there are people out there who that still matters to them in our own country, in the U.S. It's not something that is unique to Japan. No, that's very true. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to imply that it that it's unique there. Just just that it it is also it is also a concern um, um, there. Just based on some of the different things I've read. Um, but yeah. So, but I think that you know, Haida's um, Retzko kind of kind of thinking, oh, I can escape this job, and asking Haida about it, and him kind of coming back with, well, I don't actually make that much, so it'd probably be better if we both kept working. So I'm totally and like again, like you said, Vi, like he's he has no problem with that. He does not feel the need for them to have like a, a like traditional um husband wife setup. So mm-hmm. which yeah is definitely a point in, in Haida's favor, I think. It's 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 nice. They're they can they're cute. they can rage at karaoke together. Yes, because apparently <laughs> he's a punk and, and she's a death metal and they can start a band. Yeah. A karaoke band. I hope she I would I would love it if this series gets a season two. Um, I think it I think it's good as like I think it has a very uh, cohesive final arc. Um, again, I think it does a good job with the the female friendships at the core of the story. Um, I also one thing I, I did kind of want to touch on a little bit is I think it does a nice job of showing. Um, I think this is I think you see this tension in in a lot of media, not just not just in anime. Um, but this tension between community, like the focus on community as being kind of more important than the individual can definitely be something that crops up a lot, Mm. um, which can kind of bump up against more individualistic ideas that, again, there's sort of these broad, these broad general cultural ideas, um, about like the West being more individualistic and, and, and Japan and, um, 
other parts of East Asia being more um, collectivist. Um, and there's there's some truth to that, and obviously it varies by the individual. Um, but I think there's some pushback you see in media about kind of this place between the community being um, so sub subsuming the individual so much that it becomes like exploitative and parasitic, which is kind of what the office is like at the beginning, um, where she's just being like worked to death and isn't really getting anything anything back from it. Um, versus this idea of of the community as being, you know, a supportive or symbiotic um, part of being a person, like other people who can help you and lift you up. And as much as, as Ton is an ass, he does have that little moment where he's like, we go to work because we can do more together than we could alone. And then you see that in her relationships with Washimi and Gori, um, and even Fenneko and Tsunoda to a to an extent, I think, um, or and Puko. Uh, so I, I like that sort of central tension that plays throughout the series and how they kind of show both sides of that and how, how it can be sort of destructive, but also how it can be really good for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good thought. We all need, like, no one can do anything alone. We all need to have, you know, a a group and big companies, like, exist for a reason and they swell to a bloated parasitic size but like yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm full of hot takes today the you're hottest. not wrong though <laughs> um but you know we can't forget that like there are certain things that individuals can't do there are certain things that like small groups can't do um and these things are important um and work ideally gives you a greater sense of purpose um even though that's often not the case but you hope it does you hope um, it does like you said ideally um like i mean hey i've made consciously made the decision to be to teach in a school instead of being a nanny instead of working in like a home daycare with like two other people like you know these are this is a choice i've made because i prefer to be in a in that larger group you know mm -hmm. this is a you know we've all started like we've all turned our attention to anime feminists when we started off as individual bloggers um because anime feminists and because of that anime feminist has at least i know for me done things and given us opportunities that we did not have as just uh, individual bloggers mm. Um, yeah, no, that's that's an excellent point. The and, and has given us opportunities to bring in more voices, which mm -hmm. is a, a, a thing that I've really I've really loved about about working on this group. But you're right, because um, having us all kind of come together, there's we've been able to do a lot more with Anifem than I think any of us were able to do on our individual sites, um, and that's been excellent. So, and I've I I certainly I I think of this as a, I think of this as a supportive symbiotic community. So hopefully yeah. y'all do too. Um, yeah, but. Uh, that was a tangent. I'm glad we went on it. Um, but I was saying that if they ever do a season two, I'd love to see Retsuko kind of show that that death metal side of herself to more people because I think one of the things that makes her relationship with Gori and Washimi so like important is you kind of get the sense they're the only people she's ever shown that side of herself to. Like right. even Puko doesn't seem to know about her death metal hobby. Um, so and so, you know, if she was able in and Fenico talks about like yeah, Retsuko never really talks about herself, and I don't want to pry. Uh, so I stalk her on social media. Uh, God, she's so good. <laughs> I um, feel like Fenico. And Haida says it. And sorry, what were you gonna say? Fenico is 
probably very relatable to a lot of people. <laughs> Seneca was very fun. I feel like a uh, lot of sure. people. The, the, the least Seneca. relatable moment of the show was during the mixer when they tried to convince me that she's not the most lesbian-coded character on the face of the planet. <laughs> I could see that. She had fun at the mixer, but she didn't seem to hook up with any, any of the guys. So maybe she was just just enjoying having having a good time so but uh, on the subject of season two i i would watch it but i would always i would be a little leery because i'm always worried that shows won't be able to make the jump to from from portraying a couple getting together to actually being in a relationship and facing those kind of struggles like if they could do it it would be fascinating yeah yeah i mean i'm perfectly happy with the adorable fan art i've seen floating around of the two of them um rocking out together Aww. but yeah and again it's and Haida's you know thing at the end like I would like to know more about mm-hmm. you so I that is my hope for Retzko is that she's able to kind of open up and show that side of herself to to more people because I think that'll yeah. again that that supportive community is kind of what can get you through like sometimes you do just have to kind of deal with not ideal kind of crappy situations to you know pay the bills or, and obviously if it gets bad enough like you should get out and mm-hmm. I think Retzko maybe should look for another job though by the end of the show she's doing better um, but having that community of, of people who, you know, who you feel like you can be open and honest with, um, really helps you get through those, those tough moments. And no matter what job you're doing, you're going to have tough moments. So, um, that, that's my hope for Retzko is that she's able to, to build her, her little social group. I, I also, there, there's not really a place to talk about it. I don't know that it needs spoken about, but I do want a minor shout out for Kabai getting arrested for like in, in <laughs> espionage at the end of yeah. the which is the best just out of nowhere joke that I've ever heard. That was incredible. Uh, yeah, she's like a she's like a middle aged working mom who is also apparently uh, who a can't spy. stop gossiping. Yeah. <laughs> because we have all known that person at the office, I think. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the spy or the gossip? Could be both, apparently. Could be both. <laughs> keep, keep your eyes on them. <laughs> and then, and then Kabai is back in the office at the end, like it's no big deal. Yeah, so I guess it, I guess it all worked out. Uh-huh. They couldn't catch her. Yeah, this show is nice, and and I enjoyed it, and I am glad that it exists. Yeah, uh, to kind of wrap up, I guess, um, I feel like I know what everyone's answer here is going to be, but would you recommend it to uh, listeners who, at this point, I mean, we've spoiled the entire show for you, so sorry, I guess. Uh, Would you recommend it to listeners? Would you recommend that listeners recommend it to their friends? Um, No, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't have a ton to critique here. It was pretty much just a good time. (laughs) It it is, like, definitely, I will say that, you know, it, it does, I think, balance the hope and the more traumatic elements well but uh mm-hmm. you don't feel bad if if it gives you too many bad feels with the place where you're at your life in now and you don't feel like you can sit with it because that's also understandable it, the, oh, yeah. the cringe elements can be strong especially in those early those early like three episodes when when she and puko are having their discussion and things are really bad at work mm-hmm. uh i think once she and i think once she sort of um befriends washimi and gory um the show becomes a lot less a lot less of a rough ride. Gory so. is the best character ever. She's so I good. Do, she stands. I do in her adore truth. Gory. Uh, she's also. We didn't really talk about. We talked about Washimi being a secretary, but we never really mentioned Gory is the marketing director. So she's. I mean, she's probably like the highest ranked character in the series. And she even talks about like, yeah, my co. Um, I'm always getting flattered and told that I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm like mm-hmm. Gory, I bet you rock at your job. She's so good. 
But she's also like adorable and kind of moe and just wants to be Retsuko's friend so bad. She's... And I love her. <laughs> yeah, there it's yeah, the cast is the cast is great. I don't have like you said, Ryan, I mean, if you're in a place in your life where it's just a little too stressful to watch a character who uh, is maybe too hashtag relatable at times. Um, other than that, I don't really have any caveats for this one. Again, the dub um, might uh, c- can cause some some issues with the way they've they've chosen to voice Gory. And again, I would direct you to an article written by an actual black woman who can talk about that um, with more uh, authority and experience than I can. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think it's I think it's a really I think it's a great show, and I'm was kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like I did not expect anything from this one. And then I watched it and was like, you guys, we have to do a podcast. This is great. <laughs> so it turned out, uh, yeah, it was a pleasant, a pleasant surprise for the spring season. I'd say for sure. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on your end, Caitlin? It's good. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's very good. Um, I feel like even if you don't work in an office, you'll find stuff that is, um, <laughs> Hashtag relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, just because, like, listen, we're all just trying to survive the patriarchy out there. Um, so, yeah, no, I definitely, um, I would recommend this to pretty much anyone. Yeah, yeah, I think, like you said, we're all we're all trying to survive the patriarchy out there, and this is this is definitely a show that engages with that in a way that is. Real, but also, like, not so real that it's uncomfortable to watch. Um, so it, it gives you a little bit of a little bit of hope, which is which is nice. Again, it's one of those shows that's like, we know it's rough out there. Do your best to keep fighting. And I, I appreciate that in, in my media. So. OK, yeah. uh, if that's if that's all we got, then I'll go ahead and wrap us up here. Um, we were at the hour anyway, so that works out. Uh, All right, folks, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. And if you really liked what you heard, we'd love it if you'd head over to www.patreon.com backslash anime feminist and become a patron for for as little as $1 a month. Uh, Your support really does go a long way towards making anime feminist happen. Um, You will be helping us pay our editors, our contributors, um, the editor of this podcast. Um, There's lots of future projects we want to do we just broke even but you know there's so much we want to do we want to add more posts to the site we want to make things more accessible we'd love to get uh transcripts of these podcasts going um and so many things that we'd love to work on so the more convention appearances Mm -hmm. yeah good good point caitlin um you know there's um, we're to a point now where we're not we're not losing money, but there's still more that we'd love to do, and um, you can absolutely make make that happen, help make that happen, and we'd super appreciate it. Um, if you are interested in more from the team and our contributors, please check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. And that's all I got. Enjoy your raging karaoke nights, Anifem, and we will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.